bum bum bottom 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 bum b
We're about to leave for Seattle. Right. We're going to the Emerald City Comic Con. Right. But when we get back from Emerald City Comic Con, we're going to get a U-Haul, mm-hmm. and we're going to haul out all this broken furniture <laughs> yeah. in this place. We have so much broken furniture. It's time to be a new shrine to new broken things, not old broken things. Yeah, yeah. You know what? The, I will give this to you. New furniture on a third floor apartment is a it's an ordeal. Yeah, it's an ordeal, right? You, and you have to like convince your friends to help you out. I don't think. Oh, Lisa I don't and want I, my friends to see the state of our couch. Well, I mean, like, do you think you and I can get rid of all the stuff up here? Yeah, Just, no, I don't. Yeah. I can't. Like, should we recruit my father? Like, <laughs> no, no, uh, Brian, I guess. Yeah, Brian. Brian. Brian, Brian yeah, would help Brian. us. Brian. Thanks, Brian. And just in case you were wondering if this podcast ever leads to actual change in, and actual conflict in our relationship, uh, we just had to edit around it. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. It turns out that the comic books were counseling us the entire time. <laughs> Not unlike Clayface One Bad Day, which is the perfect comic book couples counseling book. It really is. It feels like it's mining a lot of territory that you and I have been discussing already on this podcast. It is such an internal inspection of Clayface. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of stunned by that. As DC readers, when we hear One Bad Day, we have a certain expectation of what that book is going to deliver. And I feel like this really is subverted. This is a huge yes. swerve. And I found myself relating to a DC villain in a way I never have before. Yeah, so the setup of One Bad Day Clayface is that Basil is in Hollywood and under the guise of an actor that's not Basil, putting on a new face because he is Clayface, he can do that. He is attempting to break it into the industry again. And he is doing so while also side hustling as a waiter. And around him are people like him, all these desperate actors wanting in on that industry. Anyone who has aspired to a creative career knows that it can be really ruthless and so much of it is up to luck. And so throughout this book, Clayface is trying to create his own luck. And succeeding in it. And trying to inhibit the luck of others. And succeeding in that as well. We all have to make compromises to make our dreams come true. And what Clayface is fighting for in his one bad day is not money or power or influence. He's fighting for his artistic integrity. He has a very clear vision of what he wants to be as an actor. And he feels like, okay, as soon as I get that one part, I can really do my thing. And you know, he's a villain and he has- Abilities. <laughs> extraordinary talents that that um he uses to gain an advantage, he so to speak. He can't help but get in his own way. And when we are chatting with Colin and Jackson about this particular one bad day, we are discussing that poisonous artistic integrity that keeps bubbling up. And 
whether or not it's actually artistic integrity in the first place when we're talking about Basil. And I think this conversation is a lot of fun. Colin and Jackson have a very unique point of view on this conversation because they are creators in La La Land. Mm -hmm. They have experienced a lot of what you see in this book. And there is an authenticity to this comic that is very powerful and surprising for a Clayface comic book. Like, this is a character that has not gotten a lot of love in the realm of comics. He's often written in a very two-dimensional way, or, I mean, I mean, Clayface is a complicated character because there are many different types of Clayfaces. The version of Clayface that we get here is, and we talk about this with Colin and Jackson, very much inspired by Batman the Animated Series, the character as voiced by Ron Perlman. And it feels kind of like a sequel to the cartoon in a way. And I also really dig that. I can't help but admire Clayface for really going after his dreams, you know? <laughs> like, I always find myself, like, when I'm thinking about villains or trying to relate to villains, I'm like, God, you know, they might be a bad person, but I really admire their follow-through. Well, I have loved all of these One Bad Days that DC has put out. We were, like, huge fans. We talked about it in our end-of-the-year episode where we awarded Tom King our Writer of the Year. We talked about his Riddler take that he did with Mitch Jarrods, and that comic was so good because of how it got into Edward Nigma's brain mm. and made him an empathetic character. Or... I mean, it didn't make him an empathetic character. I mean... He, it invited us to empathize with That's what him, I'm trying to yes. say. Thank you, Lisa. And all of the One Bad Day issues have done that. I've loved the Bane one from Joshua Williamson. The Catwoman story is so good. Mm -hmm. And we don't say this lightly, but the Clayface One Bad Day is our favorite of the bunch. Yes. And that's kind of nuts because of how good all the other issues have been. But I think it's because it does speak to this issue of artistic integrity. And it's something that we've been thinking about a lot and talking about a lot. I think it's just so ingrained in the culture of like, oh, you want to make it, you have to really be cutthroat and you have to be selfish and you have to be self-absorbed. And um, sometimes we just don't feel like doing that. We're sweet, uh, sweet, sweeties. I learned early on when I started interviewing actors in my day job, uh, head on over to filmschoolrejects.com, please. When I started interviewing actors, way back when I would ask the question like, well, how did you arrive to this project? Why did you want to do this project? And the reality is that most people don't have the power to pick and choose their mm. projects. Even people you would imagine as like, oh, they are big time. They actually don't have the opportunity to do that. And so often the reason they're doing this project is because they got that project because somebody saw something in them and said, you would be a good fit. It wasn't like they chased the role. They're always chasing roles. That's right. Yeah. You just think about the audition process where you have to fight and compare yourself to others and understand that you're being compared to others to get one spot. And then by the time you get that spot, it is precious. You don't want to lose it because they have their second favorite just waiting in the wings to take your job. So One Bad Day Clayface goes into all of that mm -hmm. and then also explores the conversation around manipulation, toxicity, uh, power imbalances. Like this is such a of the moment comic book. It is speaking to the now and the answers it gives you 
aren't easy either, mm -hmm. which I super appreciate. And it's because those topics are being explored by a creature like Clayface. Another thing you should know about this episode is it's another one where Brad and Lisa come in a little hot. We're <laughs> we're a little excited. Yeah, and, but we're excited for different reasons this time. Yeah, so as we were sitting in the Zoom room just waiting for the publicist and Colin and Jackson to come on the line, Brad and I were just casually talking about MILF Manor. Yep, yep. And yep. when they popped in, I was like mid-sentence. <laughs> and so the first thing I said to them was, um, sorry, we were just talking about MILF Manor. And what was so great is that Colin and Jackson were super curious about MILF Manor. And we couldn't not share our wisdom with them. And we haven't watched all of MILF Manor, but we have explored it a little. We've dipped a toe in. And I'm not going to spoil the premise of MILF Manor beyond we, its title. Yeah. Uh, but it's pretty gross and horrifying but also like extremely compelling. You can't look away. And yeah, so we had this whole chat about MILF Manor with Jackson and Colin, and I wish we had been recording that because it was delightful. I'm sure the publicist was really excited about just burning minutes yeah. on MILF Manor. <laughs> but it was a great way to like get acquainted, and then we just go right into this chat, and we are like riding high on MILF Manor conversation. <laughs> Jackson and Colin, welcome to Comic Book Couples Counseling. Hello. 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 We yeah, need hello. couples counseling, so this is <laughs> great for us. I, When we saw you on the docket, we were so excited to chat because as far as we're concerned, uh, we're the only couple in comics. Only one. So, uh, and so we want to get those. into that. Yeah. <laughs> so we first have to establish who is who for our listeners voice-wise. So maybe Jackson, you could introduce yourself and then Colin. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm Jackson Lansing. Uh, this is my voice. I talk like this and a little too much. <laughs> pish, pish. Uh, I'm Colin Kelly. Hi, everyone out there in Radioland. Uh, this is this is me, uh, though I will do other funnier voices uh, as the mood strikes me. We anticipate those voices. Uh, so I guess where we wanted to start is with the whole concept of One Bad Day. How was it sold to you initially? Sure. Uh, really uh, straightforwardly, actually, we got a, so we got a, a call from Dave Wielgos, who is um, the editor behind the line uh, with Jess Burby. Um, the, uh, Dave had worked with us a bunch on Batman Beyond Neo Year and, I mean, really all the way back to Batman and Robin Eternal when we started yeah. these. So he's Dave has been, been a... He's been our guy. Like, he's yeah, been Dave like has been reason, a champion. Yeah, he's been the reason that we, we've done work at DC over the years um, uh, pretty exclusively and is uh, a hell of a, hell of a friend and, and a really just incredible he calls us and says, hey, so we're doing a line of killing jokes. And we were like, what does that mean? And they were like, well, we're going to do a bunch of 64 page one shots that all dive down into, uh, you know, Batman's top villains with some top tier creators. Let me tell you the line. And he tells us like the Riddler one with Tom and Mitch and oh, we're going to do Catwoman with G. Will Wilson and Jimmy McKelvey and oh, we're going to do uh, Mr. Freeze with Jerry Duggan and Matthias Galera and it just goes down a whole line. And, and we hear this list of like incredible, all of our favorite creators. And then it's also like, wow, the, the amazing hubris of doing a line of killing jokes, like one of the greatest <laughs> stories ever. And you're just going to magically replicate it. Like that's, that's madness. And also like those create, but if someone was going to do it, it would be those amazing creators. And then, but, but why on earth are you telling us? Yeah, <laughs> he's what like, is this call, and, Dave? And 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 he goes, uh, and we want you guys to do Clayface. 
And there's like this like long silence on the phone, not because we're like, oh no, no, Clayface, but because like, we are not horror writers and we think of Clayface by and large as a monster or horror character. So I was like, as he was going through the line, I was like, who is he thinking of us for? If he's telling us this, it's probably to tell us he wants us to do one, but I don't know who is left that we would be really great for. Like, I'm waiting for him to be like, you're gonna do Condiment King. And then like, <laughs> they, and then he's like, we want you to do Clayface. And we're gonna sit there for a second. And, and, I, and Clayface is a character Colin loves and, and sort of goes back to the animated series with and all this stuff. I came to uh, uh, animated series uh, later and, and, and really just comics later a little bit. I wasn't allowed to watch or read anything where people hurt other people when I was growing up. So Ooh, relatable. A little later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, so I was sort of like, I don't really know what I have to add to Clayface, especially after James Tynan's run, which was all about like making him a hero, which was kind of always what we'd talked about doing. But like, the cool thing is figuring that out. The neat thing is that like, these are one bad days, right? right. Like, so the idea is not necessarily that we're going to be taking the character as he currently exists, but we're going to be dialing down on the worst idea possible, the worst day for him, which also means that you need to get close to the best day. And that's when Dave's kind of pitch started to come around because he wanted this to be a story about him, uh, about Clayface, working to achieve his dream primarily in the town of Hollywood, right? This is where dreams come. Uh, we're both in Los Angeles, Los Angeles. Uh, we're both in Los Angeles. We've been here for about 15 years um, and we have a long history of Hollywood. Um, we came out of film school. Um, we did the Hollywood dance throughout most of our twenties. Um, and we still do the dance though. Now, obviously comics are our first love. Um, but over that time we developed so much tragedy so yeah. <laughs> much pain, so many bad meetings, toxic personalities. We've watched as friends of ours walked and tumbled down terrible paths because this town does something to you. It feeds on your dreams and it so often can uh, turn them to mud. Um, so as soon as we realized that's what Dave wanted out of us, we got, we realized it was an amazing opportunity to you write sick, what you know. You sick know. genius. You found a way to make us write about our actual lived experience in a Batman comic. How dare you? Yeah. Uh, but then we became obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, and that's where this book sort of germinated. Within like 44 pages, you made Clayface the most relatable to me Batman villain, because I go like, what am I willing to kill for? Like, you know, like uh, revenge, no thank yeah. you. Money, don't need it, I'm good. Artistic integrity, okay, I, I'm yes. listening. Yes. And I, and I think that that like genuineness comes through in the story, particularly in the like kind of building of his little, like, like little cadre of, of friends, because when you're doing mm -hmm. something artistic, having friends can feel almost like conspiratorial. Like, oh, you know, like yeah. we have to like stick together to make it work. But we have also to you're my other. enemy. Exactly. We understand Clayface within a couple of pages, like exactly where he's coming from. What elements of the story were you like, this is essential to tell this Hollywood tragedy? So uh, first off, we knew we needed the idea of him starting at the bottom rung. Um, mm -hmm. Because that's where everyone starts. And if you're gonna start there, you gotta start there. The idea of being like, I had this, I, I, I got to a height of villainy. I'm one of Batman's 12 best supervillains, but I don't wanna be a supervillain. I want to be an actor. So I'm going to go be an artist. I'm going to have to start from the bottom. So it felt like that was really crucial. Um, we uh, we have a, a really good friend um, who, uh, a, an actor uh, named Dylan Duval, who has been a really close friend of ours for, for many, many years, like literally our entire 20s. And Dylan uh, has, uh, Dylan had worked at the, the Chateau Marmont as, like an, as, a, as a waiter for a very long time. 
and um, we were we were one of his friends. We were one of that conspiracy of people where we would all hang out. And we would be like, oh, we went on a terrible pitch, and he was like, oh, I went on a terrible audition, and then we all talked about our day jobs and about how we were all going to escape them someday, and, and how we all went about that. Well, and that and so that relatability, that aspect of it was like, well, we know when you're starting from the baseline, that's where you start. You start from a level of working for all the people you want to be, and living with the only people who are able to understand that being the other people who are withstanding that like kind of low key yeah. abuse cycle that's just happening all the time. So we knew we wanted that. We and knew that, we wanted the, oh, please go ahead. No, I just, I wanted to tag onto that because it's so important of uh, those friends because that though that you need them to gas you up. The town is too hard to be alone. It's one of the things that Jack and I, it's a reason that we work together um, because going alone is, is hard and scary. And, but it can also be uh, uh, an echo chamber, right? If you're just with the same little people, it's you guys against the world. Of course, you're going to gas each other up. And of course, you're going to start spiraling up. And ideally, in the best case scenario, you all lift each other up together. Um, in our human lives, uh, that's kind of what Jack and I have done. We've developed a, a network of people, found family, so that we can all survive here in LA because it's so incredibly isolating unless you actively make a community. Um, so we knew that the seed of that community was incredibly important to plant, but even then, though this is Clayface's one bad day. Well, but, and, that's, and that's the turn, right? The, the, ultimately, the second half of that question what did we need to really nail the idea of how you go about Hollywood is yes, you have your community and yes, you have your people. And then you have a choice to make. Inevitably, you always end up with this choice, which is do, and, and you don't want to end up with this choice. It just happens. Do I screw over my friend to get success? This is a thing that, it, and, and it's because maybe you guys go for the same job. Maybe you're on the same job. Maybe you, maybe your friend got the job that you wanted and you're just dealing with the jealousy of that inside yourself and trying to figure out how you accept that side of things. Um, those worst aspects of you, you don't need to act on them. You don't need to be those worst aspects of yourself. In general, I, I, I know I try not to be that person. I know Colin tries not to be that person. I know that we try to help each other not be that person because Hollywood will encourage backstabbing and you really try not to be that. We knew that Clayface was going to lose that battle every time because mm. at the core of Basil is not a need for community, but a need for recognition and, and, and most of all, a need for identity. A need for other people to look at him and say, wow, you are such a great artist, Basil. Even though at the core of it, it's unclear whether or not Basil is a great artist. And I'm mm. not sure he's done the self-interrogation to understand whether or not he has anything to actually say, but he's like, he like knows in his heart that he has something to say. He's just like, it's like his baseline and he will kill to get there. And so that idea of saying, hey man, we're gonna build you this community. We're gonna show what it could be like for you if you could just put down your toxicity. And then we're going to watch as this toxicity completely ruins you the minute one of your friends gets success. Mm -hmm, and yeah. that, turning that into a story about um, the worst impulses that we ourselves have, right? Like doing a, a very personal horror story that's like, what if instead of doing the hard work of trying to be good people, we didn't do any of that and acted on our instincts? Well, then you're gonna end up with some really bad actions and some really horrible stories. And that's like, boom, there you go. That's a horror story. That I, I Colin, Colin likens it to like a, a mudslide, right? That I, I think that idea of watching the mudslide come towards you 
is the horror for us. That's what's scary. Yeah. And with with Basil, it's so all he wants to do is be seen, and yet he refuses to wear his real face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. What is yeah. his real face, man? What is what his is, real face? He does, and he doesn't know what his real face is, even though he demands to be seen. And I think that's kind of the core um, in a lot of ways of the character. So any Batman reader who picks up this book kind of knows from the jump, you know, where it's going to go for Basil. We know like the decisions are going to be, mm, for lack of a better word, bad decisions or maniacal decisions, right? (laughs) But the genius of the book that Lisa and I were discussing before we jumped onto this call is the thing that he is going up for, which I will not spoil the audition. But it's so good. Thank what you. He's going Thank up for. you. We man, we edged right up to that, and we were like, "Can we do this? If we put it in the question, in the outline." Yeah. Okay. So, like, I had that question, but what's great about it is he has a relationship to the truth mm-hmm. of that script that yep. he's auditioning. Right. He's auditioning with. for a role that he has a very strong point of view on. Yeah, yes. and and it's through that point of view where I feel like the comic wins me over to Clayface. Because <laughs> he's right. Because he, his performance is in this, he's correct. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he knows the truth of this, but Hollywood, the secret of Hollywood is it doesn't give a shit about the truth, mm-hmm. right? When you're writing dialogue, you don't write dialogue like people actually talk. You write dialogue like people think that they talk, which is very stylish and very cool. But you can't present the truth because the truth isn't what people want. And mm-hmm. that's what Basil is actually wildly bashing his face against because he knows the truth and he's trying to present to them the truth of as it was. And yet he's still, well, <laughs> it's a bad day, isn't it? <laughs> the, the, and, the, and the amount of times that we have had that experience of going into something and being like, no, 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 like we we like lived this. Like we know what this is and this is how it goes. And they go, yeah, but that doesn't make for a very good movie. And you're like, yeah, but like the, but like the truth, like we're seeking artistic truth. And they're like, yes, but on the flip side, we're, we're, we're also seeking box office and like a movie that people can watch. And you're like, Wah! and like that frustration, we've been through that ringer. And I think a lot of, I think most creatives can imagine going through it. I think most people with, a, with, with any artistic bone in their body can, can know that thing that between what they know is true and what somebody is telling them is sellable. Um, it's the feeling of watching someone else try to open a jar where you go right. like, okay, well, just hand me the jar. If I was holding the jar, I could open the jar. Like, you know. It's yeah. a, that, that, that's the metaphor for the entire book. If, mm-hmm. if only I was holding the jar. And yeah. then like, I remember I, we saw, um, who, who was it? Uh, Michael Madsen at, mm. at Comic-Con once. Uh, he was promoting, I think, Kill Bill Volume 2. And he was doing a Q&A. I'm not even sure I was there. My friend David Server might have been there, and David might have just told me about this so much that it's a memory that's in my head. But that Michael Manson was 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 up there, and um, people kept coming up and it, during a Q and A and being like, "It'd be so cool for you to do this kind of role." Hey, Michael Manson, don't you want to play the Punisher or like whatever? And like they would just like you know be doing these like uh, uh, Q and As, and his answer to pretty much all of them was, "I wish you ran a movie studio." <laughs> and 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 the idea that was like, yeah, like because what the fans want is not necessarily what the movie studio wants, even though the movie studio constantly purports to be for the fans. And it doesn't even necessarily mean that the fans know what they want either, right? Like that's the, 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 that's the problem. Um, in this book, we wanted to be like, what if Clayface pretty quickly into his time here started realizing that the only way that he would gain success was if he ran a movie studio, right? And what does a person do to get to that stage? What does a person do to get to the point where they don't need to ask for permission anymore? How much will they let? themselves fall away from that truth? How deeply buried will they become in the lie so that they can quote unquote, tell the truth? And then when they get there, do they tell the truth? 
right? Mm. How many people, when they finally do climb this rung, climb it with integrity? Um, it, it, that's a really difficult thing to do. Uh, so that's hopefully again, I, I, the, the stress of work. I think we can all just, we can go to the top search for deadline articles uh, and see yeah. how how honest and true most people with power in Hollywood, how much integrity they're able to actually comport with themselves. Um, it's slimmer and slimmer every day. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've enjoyed every uh, one bad day issue that has come along so far. Uh, but this is the first one where I felt like I need a whole yeah. saga. I'm so um, this play things. Yeah, like we we've only read the first 43 pages. We're excited to get the rest of the book, but I'm ready for like an epic quest mm -hmm. of Clayface in Hollywood. <laughs> I I uh I think you're gonna get it in those last two pages. <laughs> I truth truthfully, um, and this is I think one of the fun things about one bad day as a line is like if we leave you hanging, we've done something wrong. And you couldn't be partnered with like a better artist colorist pairing. Um, just like the Zermanico's art is just so inherently romantic. You really get the romance mm, of the yes, situation that Clayface yes. is in. His, uh, There's like a golden age quality to it. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what has that partnership been like? What are what have those discussions been like? A absolutely unreal. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, the art across the entire line has been outstanding. I mean, we didn't really know Harmonico's work um, that much before we sat down working with him, but then pages start showing up and your jaw just hits the floor. Um, he Romance is the perfect way to put it. His people are, because we work with Carmen Carnero on Captain America, and she is well known for drawing some of the most beautiful people around, but there's something about the, the chiseled jaws uh, of Harmonico's art, like these characters seem um, just so real. And he innovated and worked on each of their designs, made sure that they each popped. And then he does this insane thing where in a lot of the backgrounds, um, there are movie posters and paintings uh, and where a lot of artists might just put a square and then some squiggles that the colorist kind of figured out. He did the full paintings and made the full movie posters and then injected yeah. them in through Photoshop to like bring them to life within the book, um, which is just an insane dedication of passion for this story that blew our ever-loving socks off. It, part of the uh, part of the framework on this thing was uh, that, and this is just the way that Dave works, is he really likes to work way ahead of time and and build a great track for the artist so the artist can just run. Um, like we had almost all of Neo Year written before Max Dunbar got the issue, right? So uh, in in Clayface, we had the whole thing done before Zermonico picked it up. We knew he knew he was doing it. We we knew who was drawing it. We knew how to how to write to him, but we did not have a. Um, it wasn't like we were like writing pages and he was turning them in. Like we wrote the whole thing and then gave it to him and was like, go nuts, man. And sort of from jump, he took some of the weirder challenges of our book, like the screenplay pages, for instance, where you're like, oh, here, I'm going to take a panel away mm. from the artist and I'm going to like build that into text. And rather than leaving that for the letterer, he, he figured out how to write screenplay format and like put it in there. Like he worked on adding additional screenplay elements to it, to the layouts, to the way that, uh, to building like structure and architecture into everything. There was a lot of stuff that we did not write into the script that he built into the framework to strengthen the core of the script rather than being like, he didn't come in and like change a bunch of stuff, right? He just came in and said, okay, how do I enhance everything here and make it sort of fundamentally this book and like, and like, yeah. like, like no other book could be. Um, I think that coupled with 
Romulo's like just remarkable version of like sunny Los Angeles where the colors are popping, but it's almost all on this like white and purple spectrum. Like everything's very bright, almost too bright for what you imagine for like a DC comic, certainly for like a Batman comic. And then every time that we bring in that darkness, it feels ideally a little sudden and a little unsettling because of how bright and beautiful it is up until that point. Like that the whole thing feels like your, your imagination of what golden age Hollywood could be. And then is interrupted by moments of, of scene violence. Yeah. Um, that was the objective. And we like wrote that in the script being like, I don't know, this is going to work, man. This might be a real whiplash of a book. And then the, the magic trick is that Demonica was able to look at that and say, Oh no, I know exactly how to make this into something that does that, that gives yeah. you the emotional reaction you're trying. In, um, in the, in the words of the kids, uh, he understood the assignment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging out with us a little bit to talk uh, Clayface One Bad Day. We freaking love it. We are desperate to get those last batch of pages, and we still are going to start a letter writing campaign to DC so we can get uh, the saga of Clayface in Hollywood. Go, go, go nuts. I love it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolute pleasure. And there you have it. And yes, we have now read the entire Clayface One Bad Day issue. It does have a satisfying ending. And yet, Lisa, we want more Clayface. Sounds like we'll just have to settle for more Colin and Jackson because I this book makes me a believer in yes. their in their partnership. Yes, and Jackson's going to be at the Emerald City Comic Con, so we'll meet up with him and say hello in Yay! person. I love that. And I'm hoping that we will get some more Jackson and Colin on the podcast to explore the rest of their work because they are doing some really incredible things right now. Their work on Captain America is amazing. Mm -hmm. I I'm loving what they're doing in the Star Trek universe Ooh. with Benjamin Sisko, Lisa. You haven't read those issues I yet? I have not. You're going to freaking fall in love with that comic. Benjamin Sisko is my man. There's there's a lot going He's on in that book. He's my captain. Just, just get ready. Just get oh, ready. Oh, no. So this, Embracing. This was a really delightful chat. Our thanks to them. Our thanks to DC Comics. Uh, one Bad Day, like if you have not been reading these issues, these one shots, you're really missing out on some of the best writing that is happening in uh, DC Comics right now. Also, like we didn't really talk enough about how great the art is in Clayface One Bad Day. Oh, it's amazing. And what's weird is sometimes, like, it's not unusual to get, like... So they didn't give us the entire book, as you know. We also didn't know that we didn't have all of the colors. Yeah, we had, like, a partially colored version. It kind of looked like... Sin City, or if you've seen yeah, Emancipation it, on Apple TV. It felt so intentional to me. I was like, ooh, I like what they're doing with the colors. But it is a, it is gorgeously colored all the way through. Yeah, and there's a splash page, which I'm sure you've seen online already towards the end of the book, where the colors really sell the emotion of the experience mm -hmm. of that confrontation. Yes. And yeah, so shout out to Romulo Farjado Jr. and Hermonico, who's an incredible artist as well. Like, I want him doing, again, more Clayface comics. Yes, yes. Do you know what's been stuck in my head? What's that? With all of these One Bad Day comics, I keep singing, One Bad Day, <laughs> Another Day, Another Destiny. That's from Les Mis? Yes, it is. I knew one. I knew one. Another Lisa, aren't you proud of me? Another Clayface has gone by. <laughs> 
You're correct. I, I wasn't high-fiving you because I was still singing, but now I'm ready. And just as we didn't spoil in the interview exactly how Jackson and Colin are incorporating the killing joke within the context of Clayface, I'm not going to do that here. But if you, listener, have still not picked up Clayface One Bad Day, you need to just for that joke, just for that spin on the killing joke. Everything about this big fat single issue delivers. We gotta keep this in mind for our Stampies 2023, baby. So Lisa, I've been thinking about this. You know, we're now two months into 2023. Mm -hmm. We've read actually some really great comics I already. I think we need to devote some space in the love nest for titles that could get a stampy at the end of the year from Comic Book Couples Counseling. I love that, but let's get a new couch first before we start <laughs> new stacks of books. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm, I'm real glad the couch came back up. Uh, yes, couch first. Couch first. New spot for, for our continuing stack of comics. There you go. We can make that happen. We uh, can make a couch out of comics. So we've already mentioned we're going to Emerald City Comic Con. We're very excited to like actually have a vacation. Lisa certainly needs it. I She's been I working need for one. like an entire month without a single day of rest. That is not a joke. It is ridiculous. Hey, if you're going to be at Emerald City Comic Con, please say hi. And attend our panel. Oh, yes. On Sunday at 3.45, we're doing unnecessary debates. Lisa loves debating. She cannot wait. We are doing that with Mike Wood and Molly Osborne. I'm so excited. So is Lisa. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm terrified, but I think it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Come watch Lisa sweat on stage. My mode of debating is just going like, that is a great point. I'm changing my mind. It is pronounced biopic. Ooh, that's a sweet reference to a Patreon conversation <laughs> that we had. That's right. And speaking about Patreon, we have a lot of exciting stuff coming out in that space. We were really moved by the reception that we got to last week's episode regarding our conversation around Quantum Mania and those two Patreon episodes. Thank you to everyone who said nice things about us being therapeutic. What? That's crazy. Yeah. But we really appreciate it. Uh, so not only do we have those Quantum Mania episodes out there right now, we're going to do a long chat about Cocaine Bear. That's right. We're going to do another driving home from the movie theater in the car, just chilling with the Gullicksons, chit-chat about this film that Brad has seen, but I have not. And he's saying that I'm going to love it. You're going to love it. I can't wait I'm to so have that conversation. And you should see Cocaine Bear with the biggest crowd possible. So we're hunting our local theaters for like the near sold out show. Mm -hmm. And that's how we're going to watch Quantumania. And then we're going to discuss Not Quantumania, it. Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear. That's, yeah. I've, They're I've, like the same I'm thing. so high on Cocaine Bear. I don't know what I'm saying, Lisa. So <laughs> be on the lookout for that. In addition to our regular sleepwalking through Sandman issues, we're working our way through the kindly ones right now. We are also going to deliver an extra long version of next week's main feed show, which is, yes, an epic chat with Daniel Warren Johnson about Do a Powerbomb. Everyone is going to be able to hear that. But we asked our patrons to supply some questions and they delivered. Mm -hmm. And then Daniel Warren Johnson answered those questions and added like another 30, 40 minutes to the conversation. So that extended cut is going to appear in our Patreon feed. And also... We're not going to announce it just yet, mm -hmm. but we are going to be launching yet another special type of comic book couples counseling show involving comic book creators. And Daniel Warren Johnson is going to be a part of the first episode of that. 
So you are really going to want to get on board with Comic Book Couples Counseling's Patreon feed. It costs $1 a month, friends. Mm -hmm. Well worth it if you can swing it. Can I just say like one thing about the Duo Powerbomb episode? It is going to be full spoilers. We did not hold back. There were things that we wanted to go to the bottom of. There were heights that we wanted to rise to the top of. So you're going to want to read the book in advance. It's going to be in your comic book shop on Wednesday. You'll recognize it because it's got a quote from us on the cover. We haven't said that yet. We've got a quote (laughs) on the Duo Powerbomb paperback. That's nuts. We're totally spoiled. So excited about that. Yeah, like this conversation with Daniel is a lot like our conversation with Dan Slott regarding the Silver Surfer Allred Slot run where we just tear through the entire thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm very proud of this upcoming conversation. Me too. And I'm excited for all of you all to listen to it as well. It's in the can, just simmering. And another thing. Oh, what? We had a little trouble trying to decide which volumes we were going to cover for Invincible, Mark and Eve. So we had to call in a true expert Mr. Robert Kirkman. Yes, so we are going to have a mini episode, the episode following Daniel Warren Johnson, in which Robert Kirkman helps us program our March podcast series on Mark and Eve. It's a delightful conversation. And his angle on where we should jump in with Invincible was not something I was expecting. But now that he helped program those episodes, I'm really excited to have those conversations. So be on the lookout for that, as well as our Mark and Eve chats. Our podcast is doing so great. And yet our couch is so terrible. Oh. <laughs> we, can achieve, we can achieve greatness in all facets of our life, Brad. Okay. Where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? You can find me on all social media at MouthDork. Please pester me about getting a couch for Lisa. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm never going to do it. Uh, If you'd like to reach out and touch our friends Aaron Prescott at A Cool Hand Fluke and thank him for our logo and Karen Charm at Karen underscore X-Men fan for our radical banner art and show poster, please do so. They would love to hear from you. But Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? I'm always accepting words of affirmation and doing our outro word for word. No (laughs) improvising necessary. I I didn't have the Wi-Fi on, Lisa, and I had to like (laughs) reboot the uh, notes. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Please do. If you'd like to get exclusive, you can join our Patreon, where you'll get more content, including weekly bonus episodes. If you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. I've answered your emails now. You have? I have. Look at that. It took like a whole week to do it, but I've done it. Uh, You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Hive Social, which I've also started posting on again. What? You have been so productive. Find us at CBCC Podcast. You can give us the gift of five stars on Apple Podcasts, and if you'd like to do an active service, Why not write a review of the show while you're there? Yes, please. We are fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod. So until next time, friends, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. I was really struggling. Like as you you started, you know, you had that very funny thing about the couch. Oh yeah, and that got me like distracted and laughing. And then I'm I'm trying to get my Word document up and running, and my Wi-Fi was down, and uh, uh, stressful. I like to know that I can still drive you to distraction.